You're listening to Connecting the Universe from Mike Ricksecker and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Thank you, everybody, for joining Connecting the Universe tonight, our special simulcast edition. I'm broadcasting this uh, not just on uh, the Connected Universe portal, which is where we traditionally broadcast at every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Please become a member of the Connected Universe portal, connectuniverseportal.com, but also YouTube, Facebook, a number of different Facebook pages. Welcome, everybody. So, yes, finally back from Egypt. I know it's been a good three weeks since uh, we have done a Connecting the Universe class. We're going to get into the Stargates of Ancient Egypt recap. And we did have a uh, class question. This is the way we always start things. So I do want to thank everybody for joining us tonight, uh, first off. And, of course, in my haste, I had a lot of crazy things going on this evening. Uh, All good stuff. Many of things I cannot talk about this evening, but um, you'll, you'll find out about that. Uh, I We do have the class question. Let me bring that up. There we go. Um, just to let everybody know, before we even dive into all of that, uh, class question and everything, uh, we will be having another Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour next year, April, you got the dates right, April 17th to the 28th. So, Mohammed is still setting up the registration page, and once I have that, I will send all of you the link. So we are going back for more Stargates of Ancient Egypt next year. And as far as connecting the universe, I do want to invite everybody to the Fort Wayne, Indiana event, Bell Mansion, which is June 10th. You can jump on my social media to get that link as well. So I just want to throw those things out there real quick. All right, so I see uh, many people have already uh, joined the chat. Um, and a number of different places, both on uh, Facebook, Connected Universe Portal, uh, YouTube. Amazing. So, yep, there's Tom McNicholas, our Super Chat superstar down there. He's on the Facebook side right now. Ane is in the house. Great to see you, Ane. Uh, Karen is here with us tonight. Uh, there's Earth Cat and Travis. Fantastic. All right, great to see everybody uh, joining tonight. So let's go ahead and get to tonight's class question. And we have a lot of material to dive into here with Ancient Egypt. Not going to be able to cover the entire tour in an hour. Uh, Jonice, great to see you. Hope uh, I know Jonice was uh, interested in uh, the tour. Again, 2024, next year, it's happening. All right, uh, class question for this evening is... Which site or object from ancient Egypt have you always wanted to see? So we did have some uh, some uh, various responses to this particular question. And even though um, 
I, I've been there a couple of times now. I still have a lot, lot more that I personally want to see. We're doing one of those next year in Alexandria. Uh, of course, great library, personal favor of mine. Um, long since gone. Great lighthouse, one of the uh, another one of the ancient wonders of the world. They have found pieces of that, so uh, the remnants of it still there. But uh, we had Tom. We just saw a moment ago, Tom McNicholas. He said necropolis city of the dead so if you want to see a necropolis city of the dead really all you have to do is look at this photo here um and this was kind of crazy i was on christina gomez's show last night strange paradigms you can go to her youtube channel christina gomez uh, on her new top five show we were talking about top five uh strange mysteries of egypt and one of those was the narrative whenever you look at photos of the pyramids they look like they're out in the desert but the city has encroached right on top of it. What is really, really bizarre about this one, part of that used to be the Nile Riverbed thousands and thousands of years ago. So there's that. But a lot of that is on top of an ancient graveyard, an ancient necropolis. So uh, many of these uh, buildings as the city encroaches upon the pyramids, many of these buildings are actually quite haunted. Uh, so that's uh, kind of the running story there. Uh, Jen said Hatshepsut's temple and Abu symbol. Um, yeah, Hatshepsut's temple is, is a favorite of mine. We actually did not get to it this time. So it's kind of like poking Muhammad. Hey, we need to do that one next time. And, uh, Abu symbol, another one, Sean Coletta said Tanis, uh, or the rock temple of Abu symbol. So I'm going to try to hit both of those here. So Abu symbol, uh, very, very hard to get to. We did not get to that with the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour. Problem is, is that it's like at the very, very south of Egypt uh, before you hit Ethiopia. It's like one of the very last locations that you can go visit before you end up in another country. But it's like four hours from Aswan. So Aswan is uh, when you take like the Nile cruise, basically it's from Luxor to Aswan. And there's a lot in between there, a lot, a lot of different temples. But Abu Simbel is even further down. It's about a four-hour drive to get there. So to do that as a day, you're talking eight-hour round trip of driving. And then, of course, you spend time at the temple. And one of the things is that it's not an especially big temple. There are two temples there. Uh, there's the... Uh, uh, when this photo here is basically... Uh, a model, it's not the actual temple itself, but it's basically a model of where that used to be and where it is now. And, and the problem is the um, the flooding from the dam, which backed up the uh, the Nile River. So the ancient temple uh, temples flooded, and they actually moved them in the 1960s up the hill. So um, so it's a bit different. And what's, what's fascinating about that is because of the majesty of the ancient Egyptians and uh, how they built things. Our modern machinery basically had to cut the blocks and <laughs> shrink them down to size to be able to move them up the hill. Crazy. And then the uh, the other one was uh, was Tanis. Did I upload Tanis? Oh, Michael, I did not upload Tanis. Let me get to that here real quick. Um, Tanis was interesting. We did visit Tanis, which is what... Uh, Sean had mentioned here uh, was one of the places he wanted to visit. 
Tanis was a massive, massive city, but it's basically a complete ruin at this point. There's a couple of obelisks still around. There's some statues, um, but basically the the entire place has been obliterated. They are in the process of digging a lot more out. It's a huge site, so there's a lot to ex excavate, and they're going to be doing this over many, many years. Uh, in fact, there are some different sites that we kind of saw off in the distance that were a part of the Tanis complex. And one of the wonderful things about being a part of uh, Mohammed's tours is that we did get into a special place there. We were the only group that was there at that particular day. Um, we, uh, <laughs> let's just say this, we were offered the opportunity to go to some place that Mohammed hasn't even been to for 15 years. So it's kind of one of the perks of being on his tours. A lot of comments coming down here in the chat. Uh, let's see. We got uh, Sylvanus in the house. Great to see you. Nick Boulay is with us. Fantastic. Um, let's see. Jonis asks, was the energy very strong in the Great Tombs? The energy is palpable all over, um, especially in like the Great Pyramid. Uh, but the but the temples, it, it seems like temples, uh, you know, call out to certain people like uh, with with Jin, like Dindara really called out to her, really Hathor, uh, Hathor really called out uh, to her. But it's um, Abydos, Dindara, those uh, really, really hit home with me as far as like the temples, but then like the Great Pyramid. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our actual tour and some of these locations that we actually visited and i'm already seeing that i i know i missed another upload but yeah we'll have to uh have to play that one by ear i guess maybe during because i'm gonna be playing some video clips here uh those that are listening to the podcast version later what's basically going to be going on is going to be playing video clips and i will be uh, uh showing a bunch of photos so you will not be able to obviously see those through an audio podcast so i do encourage you to of course, come out to the Connected Universe Portal website every week, uh, connecteduniverseportal.com, which is where we usually hold this. This is being publicly broadcast, so you can uh, find this, uh, well, right now live in Mike Ricksecker YouTube channel or some of my other uh, social media outlets. So, all right, let's get into all of this. Now, uh, one of the first locations that we visited, we did the Giza Plateau day one. And we got a chance to go into the second pyramid that day, which was one that I had not previously gone into. And again, in kind of haste and the way the, the week has worked out, I don't have a lot from that particular day. Kind of skipping a day to, uh, to when we went to Saqqara. So basically we did uh, Giza Plateau day one. We went to Tanis and Telbasta the following day. And then uh, we went to Saqqara. And this is you know, the famous Step Pyramid, which was, you know, this is supposed to be the oldest pyramid. There's a lot of fascinating things here. And when you see uh, Egypt in the news, a lot of times uh, the news is coming out of Saqqara. They are doing some uh, really extensive investigations there. But one of the things that we did now, when you when you go there, you don't usually go to the the new excavations. You're there to visit the step pyramid, and a lot of people do the step pyramid and then go. Um, and you can of course see what they call the vault inside of there. And I'm kind of getting a little ahead of myself here. Let me go ahead and throw one of these uh, 
one of these video clips at you. Considered the first pyramid designed by Emotep. No, not the Emotep from the Mummy. We'll see what adventures await us inside. So this baseline is completely balanced with north side and the other base perfect to east. So because it can be a little bit off center, right? No, it is perfect. Big hole, and by the way, it's not the small hole. Uh, that hole is nine by nine. Big hole, we're gonna see it. This all can be put in one crazy idea, my idea, that we are talking about a huge portal. Because we have so many carvings and paintings and symbols of snakes and cobras in our language, but not all of them mean cobra or snake. No, they mean energy. All right. So that's kind of a little taste of the philosophy of the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour is when we start looking at the symbolism of ancient Egypt and what a lot of these different things meant when we'd see snakes. This is a symbol of energy. And we saw those cobras lining up. Now, there's a much bigger segment to, to all of that. That's uh, basically the piece that I was putting out there on like Facebook and TikTok and, and things like that. Um, I will be posting a ton of video clips to the Connected Universe portal here in the near future. It's been a lot to get together. I just kind of got over the whole jet lag thing a few days ago. <laughs> so, um, and, and I've had a number of, uh, of interviews here uh, kind of following all of that. So I'm, I'm catching up. And, and those that are members of the Connected Universe portal, you guys are going to see all of that very soon. But um, you know, when we see... Uh, that snake energy, that symbolism of the snake and the energy there, um, you know, this is indicative of something, you know, very special that's happening. And let me say something about Mohammed here real quick. What's interesting about doing the tours with him now, Mohammed has uh, been doing the tours there for over 20 years. Of course, he's a uh, native Egyptian. Uh, that was basically what he went to school for was, was Egyptology and history. And, um, you know, he is you know, an actual Egyptologist. Takes a little bit of, well, obviously, uh, a different viewpoint on this in the traditional narrative. Uh, but being, um, you know, native to the land, he's he's experienced everything firsthand. Like when we were there at Saqqara, he was telling us about how the floor there in the in the courtyard. I mean, right now it just you know looks like sand between um, where we were observing the the snakes there and the actual pyramid itself. Right now, it's, it's all sand, surrounded by lights and different walkways. And he was telling us about how this used to be alabaster. And he's like, you know, how do I know it was alabaster? Well, when I was a 10-year-old kid running around here, you know, before they kind of, you know, kind of closed things off and, and made it more of a tourist attraction, he was running around there as a 10-year-old, and he remembers the alabaster being there. So he has that firsthand personal knowledge. 
uh, right there, which is absolutely amazing. So, um, yeah, Muhammad's definitely the guy to go with uh, on these tours, whether it's with me or Johnny Enoch or Cliff Dunning or, you know, several of these others that, that do uh, tours with Muhammad. He's the guy to go with. So, yeah, so what you saw there with the, with the step pyramid is some really uh, interesting uh, construction. Of course, these are basically stacked mustabas. Um, and within the middle of this, as you go uh, down, you saw the, the, you know, the steps going down. You see all those people kind of gathering there in the middle. They go uh, steps down. Basically, it's a, it's a robber's entrance uh, that they dug out to try to you know, rob the pyramid with whatever may be in there. And what they came across there was what they call the vault. And, uh, you know, this thing, it, it just looks like, they don't call it a sarcophagus. They don't call it a, um, a coffin or anything like that. They call it a vault. And, you know, it just seems pretty innocuous down there um, at the bottom of this, you know, very uh, deep shaft. And you see these other passages uh, off to the side. And then there's this round thing in the middle, this mysterious round thing. Um, well, during the daytime when people are touring you can't uh go down there uh there are people who get special access at different times of day when it's not the normal tourist hours to be able to go down in there we had other plans for the day but what's very very fascinating is that that's not the only shaft there are more now, people hear about, well, yeah, sure, I've heard about um, at Saqqara, they're doing excavations, they're finding these shafts, and they're digging, you know, digging out these coffins. We're not talking about that. We're talking about other shafts that are exactly like this. Four of them lined up, and basically this pyramid was built on top of one of them. So the big question is why? Why this one, not the other four? Were there plans to put pyramids on top of the other ones? Were they, um, you know, was there something special? I, you know, I believe that the shafts far predated the pyramid itself. Pyramid builder was Emotep, by the way, uh, but not from the Mummy movie. And I think I say that in this video clip that I'm about to play here now. So this is exploring one of the other shafts with what they call the vault and this vault is huge i did not expect it to be this size have a look most people don't know that the shaft within the step pyramid has twins there are more mysterious vaults to be found and they all line up perfectly at saqqara what were the vaults used for this piece is in a cone shape it is wider and at the base. So when you try to take it out, it's stuck more, actually stuck more. So you cannot get it out. So any pressure underneath will push this stopper up, so we'll close it more. So that was the case. That's why I call it uh, pressure, like the pressure cooker. Granite is very, granite is almost close to uh, iron. So, to, to have such effect from natural reason, it must be something so strong. Oh, interesting. I guess when I was doing the editing to put it back in the, the widescreen there, I kind of screwed up the audio on the one clip. But basically, what he was showing there on the side of the vault is there's some really interesting smooth areas where 
when you touch it, they're, they're like worn down or they're scooped out or something unusual has happened. There's two of them on either side of the vault. And they feel soft, like almost waxy. It's really, really quite bizarre. So yeah, we actually got a, a, a chance to go down into this vault area. So um, this is one of the other ones. And you know, so you can see the scaffolding here. It's a different area, but still there's that uh, stopper that's there. And like you said, the bottom of that is uh, larger than the top. So, you know, the idea of being able to like uh, push it out is not going to happen. You would see this type of uh, thing in like a pressure cooker is what is what he was describing it as. And as we go down into here, and you kind of see uh, on the left there, there's a person walking by it. This thing is massive. So here's a photo of Muhammad right next to it. You know, you you don't really get that sort of scale when you're back at uh, the step pyramid looking down the shaft. You're like, okay, there's something down there. But um, no, the thing is absolutely huge. And, you know, there's the shaft looking up to, to open sky. So imagine, you know, this shaft had already existed. And we don't know the reason why, but they decided to build a pyramid over the top of one of these things. So they, they created all of these, somebody created all of these shafts first. Uh, before that, uh, before that step pyramid was even built. So let me take a look at some of the uh, questions and comments here. Um, yeah, absolutely. On a uh, when you go to Egypt, uh, definitely come along with Muhammad and I. Um, it absolutely fantastic. So again, next April eleventh or sorry, seventeenth through the twenty eighth. Um, aha. Are the pyramids an ancient energy generator? So I will say that, uh, one, yes, they are harnessing the Earth's energy for what is it they're doing. So there's Christopher Dunn's idea of the Giza power plant. I do believe it's some sort of machine. And in videos past, I have uh, shown the photos of the vitrification uh, in the Queen's Chamber where the, where the stone has actually been melted. It's been burned and melted. Uh, absolutely fascinating. So, um, so yes, and we're actually going to see something here with the bent pyramid that is really fascinating. Um, and Sarah, yeah, we're going to get to that actually here with uh, with the bent pyramid. You'll you'll see how uh, that works. And uh, yeah, um, so I'm. Uh, we'll talk about that, Andy, because um, I don't believe I'm at that conference this year. But uh, yeah, it would be great. Uh, to meet Jen, absolutely. All right, so let's get to the Bent Pyramid. I'll do the little uh, walkthrough clip first, and then we are going to kind of discuss this. Here we go. Okay, here we are back at the Bent Pyramid. They deliberately bent the angle at that level. We used to call unknown reason, but now we know because they wanted to have certain effect or certain function happening inside. Going backwards into the shaft of the bent pyramid. It's the second time I've done this, and I will tell you, Stairmaster. Stairmaster is the way to prepare for this. It is steeper than the Great Pyramid, even though the shaft is shorter, which actually makes the Great Pyramid easier. 
So what's fascinating about this, and we see it also in the Great Pyramid of Giza, the corbelled structures inside. So you have an entire corbelled shaft. You have a another corbelled shaft that looks like the Grand Gallery, that looks like the niche in the Queen's Chamber. And once you go up all of that, the passageway that takes you to the special chamber, but there's another corbelled ceiling there. So this was a very uh, harmonic machine. Yeah, a uh, harmonic machine. That's what I'm calling the Bent Pyramid now, is a harmonic resonance machine. Uh, we're going to step through this. And I know I've been kind of like talking fast and whipping through a lot of this so far um, because I am going to be spending some time here with, with the Bent Pyramid and I have a little bit of a treat afterward. And somehow, some way, I still did not get to all the stuff I wanted to include uh, with this particular class. It just means we're going to have to do more uh, you know, follow-up you know, afterward in subsequent subsequent weeks. So, all right, the Bent Pyramid. Now, here we go. So there it is. It It's really big. It is really, really big. And the, uh, the going story, I guess the mainstream traditional story, is that uh, this was built by Sneferu. Um, he put his uh, son on the job to, to build this thing. And uh, they made a mistake in the middle of it. They had to change the angle. And Sneferu was so ticked off uh at it at his son he said well just go ahead and finish it up and then you know build me a correct pyramid which would be the red pyramid which is really right in front of this they're uh very very close to each other now for one the story i mean it's basically nonsensical um if why would you continue to put years of work into a mistake wouldn't you just at that point you know tear it apart and then use that material to go you know, build the the newer, better one. So that that really doesn't add up. Uh, one of the things that Muhammad does like to point out about the name of Sneferu, it means the restorer. So you know, these pyramids that are being attributed to Sneferu aren't that he built them; it's that he restored them. And we're going to see a little bit of that here uh, as we as we walk through it. But really, what I want you to take a look at is some of the architecture, some of the construction inside. Um, now, I did mention in that video, walking into, you don't just walk into the pyramid, you uh, you basically crawl. You, <laughs> you have to crawl backwards down this shaft. So again, you know, the the going mainstream story is that, you know, these were, were, were supposed to be tombs. The, this type of construction for a tomb, and Apparently, Sneferu was still alive during this whole thing and had his, his boy go make a second pyramid. Does not make any sense. Um, so you basically, you know, walk down backwards through this thing, which is at a very, very steep angle. I mentioned in that video that the Great Pyramid is easier. The uh, shaft going into the subterranean chamber of the Great Pyramid is longer, but it's not as steep. So it actually makes it easier to go down than the Bent Pyramid. Bent Pyramid is tough. Because not only after you get down uh, that shaft, you then have to go up a bunch of stairs. Now, the stairs weren't there during ancient times. We put them in. And so basically what happens is go down this shaft, and then you walk up this shorter set of stairs here. You can see down there uh, the, the ramp at the bottom. 
And then all this scaffolding here are a bunch of stairs going up to a little tunnel like this that you have to crawl through. And for some perspective on that, this is Jin crawling through that tunnel. So just put in your mind here the journey of, okay, our, our king has died, so let's drag him down this massive uh, this massive ramp. Again, these stairs weren't here, so you would have had to hoist them up this thing and then hoist them all the way up there and then crawl through this little thing uh, with the body. And then finally you get to a, a passage that's a little bit more manageable. Um, this one you still have to kind of duck, but you can actually walk it and then you know we're going to dump them down here, which again, no sarcophagus or anything ever found. Okay, I whipped through all of that and skipped a number of different things. Let's go back to uh, that, that first little set of stairs. What did I do with it? There it is. Okay, so as you finish coming uh, down the ramp and you go up these little stairs, there are, there's, a, there's a large chamber. It's basically like a shaft and... I showed you here that there's all this scaffolding in the way right now for stairs that have been built for us to, to climb up. But if you take all of that away, you can see it here on three of the sides. It is a corbelled chamber, all four sides. Boom, boom, boom. Um, not only that, but off to the one side of this chamber, as you're coming up these little stairs, you can start to see it at the top there. There's another, it's like a little slit, but this is also corbelled, and it looks like a more narrow version of what's in the Queen's Chamber in the Great Pyramid of Giza. And in, in one sense, looks like a much, much smaller version, because even the the niche in the Queen's Chamber looks like a much, much smaller version of the Grand Gallery in the Great Pyramid of Giza. So we're not done. So you have this little niche here as you come up these stairs. Again, that's right at the top of this photo. And then you have this massive, it's, I mean, this is tall. Uh, it, the photo does not do the, the size of it the, any justice whatsoever. Because um, this is, as you go around and around around the stairs, I'm um, trying to remember how many, I mean, this is like eight flights of stairs, at least. Uh, it's like eight or 10 flights of stairs to get up there. You know, this is why your legs are killing you, because you had to do Stairmaster to basically go down the shaft, and you got to go up all these stairs. So you have all these corbelled chambers. And again, you have to crawl through this passage here. And then finally, you are in this passage where you can kind of duck and you're fine. But you see here, there's a couple little rooms off to the side. Now, straight ahead is, and you can see stairs over there, again, built by us, built by modern people. Uh, but you see these other little areas off to the side here. What's, what's going on there? And these are little niches that, again, at the top, you have these corbelled ceilings on either side. And yes, there are some bats in there too, by the way. <laughs> so watch your hair. 
So each side has these things going on, which is quite interesting. So then you go over to those stairs and this particular room that has that at the floor above it, and this is where you start to see some of the repair work, okay? This room here, um, you know, you can see where it's a little bit corbled at the top, but uh, much of that is a mess. You can even see a piece of ancient wood in there. And I do mean ancient because this wood has been, uh, has been dated to uh, over 3,000 years old. So this is the repair work, the restore, the restoring work by Snefru up there. Uh, but again, the, the, the corbelled area there is a little bit a mess. So basically, I've walked you through all of that. But where do we see this type of um, this type of structure used? We use this, we see this type of thing when we start talking about uh, sound resonance when we're when we're looking for uh, acoustics. You know, that's what this is for, and this is why it's like okay, this is a harmonic resonance machine. Uh, you know, there's it makes absolutely no sense why you would put in these you know different corbelled ceilings, and even you know if you look at okay, this is where you know this is where the sarcophagus, the king, if, the, using the traditional narrative, this is where the king is supposed to be buried. And above that, so this is supposed to be the most grand room, right? It's supposed to be. And you have, you know, a little bit of a corbel here. It's kind of a mess. But in other locations, like that massive, massive shaft, this thing, this is the most grand part of the interior of the pyramid. And it's not where, quote unquote, the king was supposed to be. So there's something else entirely going on here, not a tomb. This was some sort, and we don't know exactly how it worked, obviously. Otherwise, we would try to make it work today. So what Mohammed believes is that it was microwave technology, and it could have been. Um, to me, the jury is still out as to how exactly it worked. But I do believe when we have these ancient sites of power like this, that they are harnessing the earth energy, the telluric currents from the earth, and using that for a variety of different purposes. And probably not going to get into it tonight, but um, when we see things like, well, we will show the jed pillar tonight, but um, like a Tesla coil looking really just like a jed pillar. And that jed pillar was supposed to be... Uh, the symbolic raising of the consciousness, the raising of the energy being the backbone of Egypt. And so what type of things would do that? Well, the energy. But that's a bigger discussion for another day. And we have covered, we have covered Tesla in Egypt and, and some other uh, places before. So let me get to your comments here because I was kind of uh, going on for, for a while. Um, all right, so uh, Jen Richardson, and I uh, was just on uh, a show earlier uh, this evening, so great. Uh, yes, uh, we're going to be hosting tours here on a uh, on an annual basis, so hopefully um, you can come visit us in 2024. Uh, there's, the, there's the question, alien made? I, I don't know about that. Um, I, I, I will say this, I do not believe that the pyramids were 
constructed by aliens. Now, could the ancients of that era have gotten uh, knowledge from extraterrestrials in order to make them? I'm more apt to say that. I will say that there is a lost technology, obviously, here that we no longer have. And we see that in just the basic construction of it because there are there are things that they did here, you know, the, the size of the blocks, the cuts that they made, um, the way that they constructed that we we don't know how to do today. And the uh, the tools that we, uh, that the traditional narrative tries to give them, those tools could not have po possibly made these things. So there's definitely something that has been lost, some sort of knowledge. And where that came from, that knowledge came from, that's debatable. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm open to listening to, to any of those different uh, debates. And... Uh, yeah, and there's there's been going down the shaft isn't the problems climbing back up. Um yeah, yeah, because because you're well, yeah, going back up the shaft is very tough, especially after you've already gone down and gone upstairs and just you're you're climbing all over the place. And so for your last act to be having to climb out of it, that's a challenge. Great pyramid. Um we, we ended up in the king's chamber and basically you're climbing down, climbing down, climbing down to get out of the Great Pyramid. Uh, so that's a lot easier. So, man, we've only couple of, covered a couple of spots here and we're already 36 min minutes into the episode. Oh, boy. Okay, so while we're over there by the Bent Pyramid, so you have the Bent Pyramid, the Red Pyramid, and then Egypt's Area 51. Yeah. Egypt's Area 51. There is, this was Stargate's of Ancient Egypt tour, and there's supposed to be a working Stargate on Egypt's Area 51, which is a military base. There is a military base over there. Um, let me pop that up here real quick. And this is basically, if you can imagine, uh, the Bin Pyramid and the Red Pyramid are directly behind us. That's the military base. Um, they're probably going to come get me now for this. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> like they confiscated Frank's drone. He was never able to actually use the drone, but they they took it anyway just because the possibility that he could have in, in taken photos overhead. Um, so yeah, there are stories, anecdotal stories uh, that are have been coming out of there that they have a working Stargate that basically looks like an Aurora Borealis on the ground. Like there's a circle on the ground and there's an Aurora Borealis and, you know, all those colors which would be absolutely magnificent again not a lot on the base so we can't actually see it with our own eyes but those are the stories that are coming out of there now what is fascinating about that those stories aside is that there is well there are two what they call unfinished pyramids one is the layer pyramid which basically looks like a much much smaller type of a step pyramid but then they have the one that is uh, uh, completely unfinished, that is just essentially a hole in the ground. And uh, so the area is called Zayat el Arian. Yeah, try saying that three times fast. I've been screwing it up the whole time. Muhammad tried to correct me a number of times. I ended up doing a presentation on a lot of these different topics. But basically, okay, these are photos from 1912. And you can see here some interesting, interesting things. Um, you know, you can see the massive block construction. Again, no hieroglyphs in any of these pyramids, by the way. Um, so that 
really pretty much already tells you it's it's pre-dynastic and many would say pre-cataclysmic um and you can see like the scale of it uh where you have the uh, Italian Egyptologists walking up the ramp. Now, this ramp would be much easier to try to get up and down because you're not essentially crawling. And to give you even a, a bigger idea of scale, um, that's the uh, the Giza pyramids in the background there. So the Bent Pyramid and the Red Pyramid would be uh, behind this photo. And then from uh, from here, you would go down this ramp and find yourself here. Now, what's interesting is you see this oval structure in the middle. We don't get a, a good close-up view of it, so uh, we don't know exactly what it is or what it was used for, but when we were at Tel Basta the, uh, the second day, so we did Tel Basta and Tanis, we saw something that was a very, very similar shape smaller in scale though and that is this and again we really don't know what it is you know we called it a box um you see the bottom has some strange and you know, that's carved in there it's some strange slats we don't know the function uh, and we don't know of course if at the uh, the unfinished pyramid there that that was the bottom because we can't see into it but this might give us an idea of what was possibly there. And so was that part of the machine that was supposed to, to power the Stargate that's there in Egypt's Area 51? We don't know. And asking Mohammed, has he ever been on, you know, to that spot, he's like, it's on a base. I was never able to get on there. And you got to ask him that because he was all, again, running around all over the place over there as a 10-year-old. So, um, so we don't know what that one yet. All right, let's move on a little bit here. So we're going to go to um, one of, well, I, Jen's favorite temple, Dindara, because it was uh, the temple of Hathor. Hathor is her girl. Um, but where we're going to start with Dindara is the, because everybody wants to know about the, the quote-unquote light bulb. This doesn't really have to do with the Stargates part of it. We are going to do the Stargates discovery reveal here, uh, which if you've, you know, watch the video clips on my social media you've seen, but um, here's the explanation of what people call the light bulb. It is representative of uh, energy, but not in the way that you're thinking. So we see this design starts with Lotus. Okay, and this man, not one man, there are two men. Hmm. One behind us are holding the this design and there is the snake in the middle and here we have two things a symbol of jet and a, a person doing something like this the same design here the lotus the two people the same person rubbing his hand and the symbol eternity okay so let's count one two three four okay and two the, these two designs are not touching each other so i call it the moment pre before creation this is the, I see the creation moment. So let's see, see the other wall. So remember how many figures we count on the base? Four. Let's count again. One, two, three, four, five. What? What happened? Why five? And one design. So these two designs combined together, creating one. Okay. But as if two plus two created five. 
So this one we saw, this one we saw, these two we saw, this is the new one, female figure. This is male, male, female. Okay, and now the, uh, the, the jet symbol was uh, supporting the beam of energy first there, and then now it goes, went through and supporting the, I don't know, this is the human DNA or this consciousness or this is eternal uh, uh, energy. It can be explained in many, many ways. You also have the Ka supporting the energy here. Right. How does that play into it? Because don't forget the Ka is as if it, it was also serving uh, the connection between the uh, limited and the unlimited. Because not everything limited, not everything unlimited. And they must deal together. So that is the way to tell you that we find the coordinator. Okay. Okay, so I know that's going to be a little bit of a controversial explanation. Of course, the entire idea that the thing is a physical light bulb like from our modern times is controversial in and of itself, um, which we've never seen any evidence of our traditional light bulbs like we use today there in, in ancient Egypt. Um, like battery type things like Baghdad battery. Sure, we've seen that sort of thing, but a light bulb? Hmm. No. So let's take a little bit of a closer look at it, though, to kind of uh, get into the detail of what Muhammad was talking about. Now, we talked earlier about, um, you know, the uh, the snake being representative of energy. And of course, then you have also the Jed pillar um, being that, you know, backbone of ancient Egypt and basically elevating the uh, the consciousness. And what is interesting that that I uh, had pointed out to him is you know, the, uh, the ka, the, the arms uh, coming up out of there. So that is, um, you know, representative of, of the soul, of, of, of a person's soul. Uh, and then the, the lotus flowers on either end, this is creative energy, uh, like actual, like creation. And so that's kind of what he was explaining here. Now, what's interesting to me, and you see where the position of the ka arms are here. And they are, this is supposed to be like a representative of an energy field um, you know, around that, uh, around that snake. Well, within here, you can see that the Ka arms are now, uh, they've now been elevated uh, from the middle of the Jed pillar to the top. And they are now within that energy field supporting the, uh, uh, the representation of the snake energy. So I think there's a lot more to try to interpret out of this. And I don't want to spend too much time uh, within that because we're supposed to be talking about stargates here. But, you know, I, I wanted to at least show that because a lot of people always, when it comes to Dendara, they're like, oh, you know, the light bulb. Well, what is interesting uh, also about that location? Now, a lot of people say the Dendara light bulb. Well, there's there's three of them for one. It's also, you could see there how it was really cramped and confined. So they call that a crypt. No bodies or anything like that. It's not like um, like an Acropolis or anything like that. But they call it a crypt because it's under the, uh, it's under the temple. Um, and there are a couple of crypts there. And that just happens to be one of them. So real quick, there were some uh, questions in here. Uh, so let me take a look at uh, what you have going on here. Uh, yeah. Karen, did Frank get his drone back? Uh, no, he did not. He uh, gone, uh, confiscated for life. Um, yeah, one of the uh, one of the guards probably took it to his kids or something, <laughs> but it, no, it's totally gone. 
Um, so uh, Papa Bear's Kitchen, machines are a given. What was the power source? The earth. Um, you know, when we look at, to me, when we look at the Jed Pillar, you know, of course, we're talking about acronymia, uh, elevating consciousness, that sort of thing. Um, I believe it was also to help harness the Earth's energy. If we look at that, you know, like the Tesla coil, when Tesla developed his technology, he looked back to the past. He looked at the way the ancients were, were doing things uh, because he knew that they were doing things like harnessing uh the energy from the earth, which is what he wanted to do. He wanted to tap into the earth's energy for uh, for wireless energy, free wireless energy for everybody, and also to uh, you know transmit wirelessly long distances all across the globe. Again, that we had we've had a whole thing on that before um, some months ago, so I don't want to get too deep into that uh, here. Um, see, Jack McCarthy's in the house. One of my coworkers. Great to see you, Jack. And a uh, good friend here, Le Michelle LeBaron, and uh, in on a so like a battery, yeah, yeah, kind of like a battery. There we go. Um, and then uh, let's see here. I know there was, um, yeah, the buildings are well made for a little equipment they had back then. Man, manpower at its finest. Um, yeah, it's very, very, very highly creative. So, all right. And uh, Chuck Banks is in the house as well. Great to see you, Chuck. All right. A lot, of, a lot of good friends in the house tonight. Okay, limited time. Um, we'll get to a couple more things here. Of course, we need to get to the Stargate reveal, right? Okay, here we go. Uh, Dendara Stargate's discovery. Back again at the Temple of Hathor in Dendara. This is the sky and this is earth. This shape is what we call it V. Now we can see five stars and that simple jet in the middle. So that is V to five star jet. Different samples, many stars now that I can point four, eight. I think this man also, but unfortunately the scene is destroyed. We didn't see this one. Oh, oh, this is too much. It keeps going. Right, and the other one. See, yeah, we didn't see this before. They're on the other side. Yeah, one with nine stars out here. Actually, this here is also Stargate. Look at Right there. The little symbol right there. Oh, we got more over here. We made good discovery, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah, so that was a fun moment because, you know, Mohammed had already seen, you know, the one basically, uh, you know, the first one that he was, you know, pointing at here with the Jed Pillar and the stars. Now, he had seen that on a previous visit just recently. Uh, he had come across that, and that's something he's always keeping an eye out for. His his company name, uh, Sabatour, Saba, Stargate, and he actually uses the uh, the hieroglyphs, you know, for his his company name. So he was there to to show us that, and you know, of course, you have the motif of uh, the heavens uh, on the ceiling. So it's absolutely fascinating. 
And then all of a sudden, you're kind of looking around a little bit. And it's like, wait a minute. It, this is going around the side. It's on the backside. It's outside. It's We saw it everywhere. So, yeah, we took a nice photo together, uh, you know, pointing at the uh, Stargate motif. And then, um, you know, this is the one that was outside here. And you can see that's there are some different uh, ways that, you know, the Stargate is... Uh, is put together with the hieroglyphs and really when when they wrote out the hieroglyphs you know they just didn't write it out in a straight line they tried to make things kind of look aesthetically nice so symbols might shift a little bit in their writing so in this sense here and you you'll even see it here the star over the gate the star over the gate over either of these so you have the gate with some different symbols in the middle and then the stars. But at the very, very top in the middle there, you can see the star over the gate. And so I think there's more study that needs to be done in these particular uh, symbols here. And I think, you know, the number of stars, somebody asked me the other day, does the number of stars mean something? And it's like, I think they do, but I think it's going to take studying these a little bit more uh, to figure them out. And these are just a few of the photos. There are um, we ended up finding several of these there. And um, yeah, absolutely fascinating. So just to kind of throw this out there, because we're going to go to Abydos next, uh, the actual Stargate symbols themselves. This is a little bit of a better representation. This is actually Stargates. So with this particular one, you're reading it from the uh, from the right side to the left. So the uh, the little uh, hook thing there is an S, the foot is a B, and then you have the determinatives of the star in the gate there. The three lines is basically what makes it plural. We don't know if they're referencing three or if they were just making it plural. It can be either or. And so you kind of have to take the context of what's being said to determine that. Um, but this is basically star gates. And that's at, uh, that's at Abydos. So I do have, a, uh, again, I know I'm whipping through this because suddenly out of time. Go figure that. I mean, we got like seven minutes. But um, let me play you this clip from Abydos. This is actually from the previous tour, but I'm using this particular clip because when we were there uh, in this room, there was another group there and it was quite loud. So that footage didn't come out too well, but I'm going to play this and many of you have seen this before, but some haven't. So yesterday, we have seen the world star gate in Karnak Temple. Now we will see the world star gate in Abydos Temple. Sab, and Sab means star and the simple gate. And in the same way, star gate, star gate, star gate, star gate. So if this was just a title, why we don't see it everywhere next to the name of the king. Why in certain places? Because this is the Stargate, not the other location. Yeah, and we actually did end up finding more Stargates there. So uh, this time around, Mohammed and I took this uh, photo here. And you can see, uh, if you kind of look at where our fingers are pointing, you can see uh, Saba right there, the, the S, the star, the B, and then the gate. Um, these are preceding the, uh, the cartouche of the kings, which basically is stating that he was the master 
of those stargates. And like Muhammad was saying, you don't see this uh, in front of every king's title. Like Kings would take different titles for things that they specialized in. This particular one, Seti, um, and, and Ramses claimed this as well. Uh, you know, we're the masters of the Stargate at that particular, at that particular temple of Abydos. So within this room, where you have the three Stargates uh, there, you also have the depiction, the whole story of the raising of the Jed Pillar. I'm not going to go into that whole story because we only have a few minutes here, but I find it fascinating that this story is in that room. Now, where we found a couple more Stargates there, and I believe it was Will who uh, who found it uh, found it there. Yeah, Will Will Smith was part of our tour, not that Will Smith, but uh, <laughs> uh, in this room here, there are these other two rooms at the end, and Will had found that there was uh, Stargate de Stargate designations on either side of these as well. And what's amazing about these rooms is that if you're there at the right time of day, you can catch the light at just the right time. Unfortunately, this time around, we weren't there at the right time of day. Uh, first time I was there, we were, and you can capture amazing photos like this where you are actually catching the light and now finding out that this was within a stargate makes that thing uh just that much more special but what i also find interesting about this is that within this entry room here remember the uh the entry room to the uh the other three stargates there had the story of the jed pillar off on the right-hand side here of this room is the story of the white cakes with the monoatomic white gold. And so I have a clip here where uh, Muhammad explains, well, he and Johnny Enoch, our, our friend Johnny Enoch, had a little back and forth about calling these things mufkuts. Um, and actually, if you do some previous research, I think the thing is that... Um, you know, this is the term that had been used been used for so long. It's like nothing against Johnny. He's a very intelligent guy. But I think that was kind of the story that had been told for so long that uh, the monoatomic white gold was used inside these white cakes, which were called mufkuts, because I've seen that elsewhere too. But Muhammad was always like, yeah, but mufkuts means turquoise. I don't understand why you're calling these white cakes mufkuts when it means turquoise. And so here's the explanation from Muhammad on this. And it's within that room with the two other stargates. This is what we call it, the Mufkut. Or what Johnny called it, the Mufkut. So I started to, as, as I told you earlier, I never deny any story 100%, even if I am not convinced. But sometimes I don't have time to uh, search and to uh, find the truth. But we were uh, together, me and Johnny, I don't remember when, and suddenly I realized the writings under that work here. So you can see again, this is what, this is the, the symbol called Mafka, and this symbol is called Chayit. Hedge Chayit, white cake. White cake, and Johnny was talking about white gold, okay? So how you combine between the two stories, white cake and white gold. So, okay, white, we, we have now similar things. What about cake and gold? They say that they eat the white gold. 
to have these powers like natives. So it could be white cake. It's only a different way to call it. Okay. But so I agree about the story. I agree with Johnny now 100%, except the name. Look, Mufkut is still wrong. Did you say Mufkut is turquoise? Turquoise. Yeah. So for sure turquoise. But I know why it is called Mufkut now. Because most of the white shahid or the white powder was found in Mufkut land in ah, Sayyidina. Okay. In, in the turquoise land. That's why it got this name. So that's where it's from. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. But it is shahid. That's it. So, what should we actually call the white powder cakes? Shai. Shai? Yes. Okay. Exactly. All right. There we go. The white powder cakes with a monoatomic white gold are called shai, which come from Mufkut land. So, the significance uh, of these things, the, the ingestion of the monoatomic white gold, is basically to uh, set the energy within your body at the proper frequency so that when you walk into the stargate, you're able to utilize it properly. And I saw, uh, down here, uh, where are the comments? There we go. Uh, from Jack, what is actually meant by stargates? Can you describe them to stories about them survive? So, you know, basically when we're talking stargates, we're talking wormholes, portals, these sorts of things. Now this could be a, um, physical stargate portal sort of thing where you are actually traveling to uh, another place in the universe. It could be another uh, place on earth. And this could be why you'll see several civilizations have many, many different things in common when they were not supposed to have any connection together whatsoever. But yet we see, you know, step pyramid there uh, in uh, at Saqqara. We see step pyramid there at Cheats and Itza looking eerily familiar. And that's just an example. But there are many, many different uh, you know, similarities within, between a lot of these cultures all over the world. So were they using this sort of thing to be able to, to travel? Uh, we do see the idea of some sort of portal there in the temple in the middle of Atlantis. Uh, or there's also the idea that, you know, even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't a uh, physical uh type of travel although i do believe at times they were able to you know open portals and and uh wormholes and be able to travel like that that uh they could have been uh sending their consciousness through they could have been projecting their consciousness across the cosmos that you know ingesting the white cakes at the right frequency to be able to do that either physically travel or let the uh, allow the consciousness to be able to travel so that's just real quick uh, Jack, I'm gonna have to send you some links because <laughs> um, we've we've covered uh, this uh, in some other areas, and I know I'm just kind of like you know throwing a lot of stuff out real quick. Um, Tom, what would you do if you mistakenly activated the Stargate? Go for a ride. <laughs> Go for a ride. All right. Um, and Ane is. Uh, an obelisk like a cell phone tower to carry the energy uh, to the next period. That is one idea um, that, that has, uh, you know, uh, kind of caught hold here is that, you know, they were almost like Wi-Fi repeaters, uh, you know, sending the energy along, sending the energy along. Um, so, uh, and, and it makes sense. In fact, we're going to, um, real quick here, we, we are going to look at Karnak real quick. We're going to go a couple minutes over here. Um so that uh, that being Abydos, uh, we're going to go to Karnak, where uh, Jen discovered 
uh, Stargate. Actually, Jen discovered a lot of Stargate symbols uh, on our tour. So um, let's go to Karnak real quick, uh, where we actually do see uh, the biggest obelisk that is currently standing. The one that's at the Aswan Quarry that was unfinished. Well, it was unfinished, so it never got out of there. Uh, which actually would have been bigger if it got finished. But uh, let's take a look real quick. There are seven obelisks outside Egypt. None of them is this size. They tried to take some similar size, but they couldn't. All are broken. So that is the biggest, the heaviest obelisk. The one at uh, the quarry is heavier, but still not complete. So this is the uh, the biggest complete obelisk, one single piece of rose granite weighing around 700 tons. Jin found another Stargate. Oh, really? Oh, show me, show me. <laughs> Wait a minute, if you want to come with me. <laughs> this, is, this is great Stargate. Not just the Stargate, this great Stargate. And it makes sense. Yes, Straight it does. To the, the Opalist. Yep, on either side. So great, uh, you know, that long uh, uh, speed. All right, so yeah, Great Stargate was found there right next to the biggest obelisk that is standing in Egypt. And you go you know, basically straight down there and turn around. Um, you kind of, probably none of you are looking uh, down the, the pathway, but they have the, um, it was a broken obelisk that they've stupidly stuck up on a, um, on a concrete platform. So it no longer has the props. It used to be able to knock on it and the thing would ring. It was awesome. But if you go there and you basically turn around, you can see the Stargate symbols basically going right back into that area with the, the massive obelisk. So it's on either side. And kudos to Jen for noticing both of those. But um, yeah, uh, it's uh, absolutely wonderful. And that is really all we have time for this evening. <laughs> I, I had um, put the alabaster primer in there in case uh, we need to fill up a little bit of time. Um, but we are already out. Let me go and check uh, some last comments here. Um, yeah. Um, so Alina asking about the Sphinx, what the Sphinx symbolizes. Uh, we'll do more on the Sphinx and everything later. I'm probably going to have to do like a part two on this uh, next week because um, there's a lot here that we were not able to to get to that uh, we could easily have, have talked about all night long. So... All right, everybody, that is the quick recap on the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour. Again, we are going again next April uh, 17th through the 28th. I will have the registration link posted once Muhammad is finished putting the uh, the page and everything together. Uh, again, his his company's uh, Saba Tours, which does mean Stargates. But, uh, yeah, he he's the man to go with. Uh, he... Uh, well, I've already kind of edified him throughout the uh, the entire evening, and uh, we need to wrap it up. But, um, yeah, I look forward to uh, many of you joining us for that next year. And then uh, also, if you're not part of the uh, Connected Universe Portal, uh, please join us at ConnectedUniversePortal.com every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. This was a special uh, public simulcast 
presentation. I wanted to be able to share a lot of this with, with everyone. So I do appreciate all of you joining this evening. Uh, also, real quick, um, for those that are a uh, member of the Connected Universe Portal Watch Party this Friday night, Ancient Aliens, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, the Alaska Triangle episode. So that is my uh, my second episode this season on Ancient Aliens. I do have um, at least one more coming up after that. Uh, I'm not sure when that one's airing, but Alaska Triangle this Friday, 9 o'clock p.m. History Channel. Check it out for those that are members of the portal. We will be doing a watch party. All right, everybody, till next time, if time really exists. <laughs>